At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I'm never going to drink on these anything normal. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. And I busted up the fancy copper cup for no apparent reason, even though yeah. this isn't a mule. Uh, it's official. It makes it official. I, I think it makes it classy. You know, yeah. just, if you're ever... Add the, add the copper cup that I got from, like, Target, and you're good to go. <laughs> As always, when you drink a lot doing these on occasion, <laughs> I forget details. I re-listened, when that episode came out, I listened to it. It's just like, I remember 45% of this. These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college basketball stories. My name's Michael Macon. I'm here to tell the story of the 2018-2019 Texas Tech Red Raider basketball team. This season is more popularly known around Lubbock as the national title run. Um, it was the most successful season by a good degree in program history. Tech would claim a share of the Big 12 title alongside the Kansas State Wildcats, and it would build off of what happened in the 2017-2018 squad, which made a run to the Elite Eight. So it was a really great stretch of seasons that kind of has set tech up for success in the future um, i like to have this disclosure whenever i talk about this it's just the fact that like there is a tendency because of how the chris beard era ended to to want to play revisionist history with a lot of this stuff and it's just not something i want to do i hate chris beard more than the average tech fan does some of the stuff i've heard that wasn't common knowledge is not great with how that went down but it just doesn't, it, it, it sours the experience to pretend that like he didn't have a hand in what was happening here. It just, it just doesn't make any sense to pretend. So I will attempt, attempt to give credit where credit is due and point out issues as they came up. Um, what, uh, what are you drinking over there? I'm going to start slow. I don't like beer a lot, but I do. And this is called Bishop Cider Crackberry. It's supposed to be some thing it's all right it was cheap yeah and then after this i'm gonna really class up the joint with like a gin and blue gatorade concoction so oh, there you go. Go. <laughs> you're staying hydrated while you dehydrate yourself yeah exactly you know i'm getting the electrolytes in and i'm losing they should really sell that at more bars i'm always surprised they don't <laughs> I think that's weird that's such a common like college kitty drink is like yeah. Let's, let's just throw Gatorade and vodka in a cup and call it a night. Yeah. I guess some bars feel that's beneath them, but yeah. <laughs> you're going to charge me $9 for it regardless of what I put in it. So Right. College students sure don't feel like it's beneath them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's why uh, I have I drink I can drink a lot. I have a high tolerance, so I'm always really careful about going to bars because it's just like if you if you're one of those places that get like thirteen dollar cocktails, I can blow way too much money way too quickly. So I gotta I like to go to cheap bars, and those places just do whatever the fuck you ask them to do. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> Oh, you want to sip liquid gasoline? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> $4. Have a good time. Oh, yeah. We got some right over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this season's interesting for any number of reasons. One, how Tech did it. Um, and two, who they relied upon to do it. Um, but the most interesting fact is Tech was actually, after the 2018 Elite Eight, you know, finished up. And Tech got knocked out by eventual champion Villanova. Um the, the consensus around the Big 12 and the nation, I mean, this, this was a national perception, was that was it. Like, that that was it. Zaire Smith was a one-and-done guy. He graduated and left. Um, you lost Keenan Evans, who was the do-everything guard. There were a ton of holes in this roster. There was a lot of question marks that nobody knew where the scoring was going to come from. Nobody knew where a lot of the defense was going to come from. Um, so I believe Tech was picked either 7th or 8th in the Big 12 media poll. And there was actually a really funny article written by um, some of our other Sports Blog Nation blogs. They did a collaborative article basically saying, like, um, after the season was, like, happy trails to Tech basketball. The assumption being that, like, the, the, this was it. That was this year. We never – Tech would never surface again as, like, a power. Um, so the season started with no expectations. I mean, literally none. I don't – I think Lubbock was about the only place you would find anybody who was really excited for Tech basketball. And the uh, the re reason being, like I said, is just there's just so many holes on this initial roster that just didn't make, you know, sense for a lot of people. Like, how are you going to cover for some of these deficiencies? How are you going to, you know, cover for some of these guys who just you, you, you don't have necessarily the greatest, you know, um, at least supposedly you didn't have like the greatest set of guys to fill in. I mean... Your, your point guard, shooting guard, whatever you want to call him, is probably going to be Jarrett Culver. Um, he ends up making to the NBA. Davide Moretti was basically unplayable his freshman year. He ends up dropping, I think it was a 50-45-40 year, um, you know, or 90-50-40, that's what it was. And it was just on fire. Matt Mooney was a somewhat heralded transfer. He becomes one of the best overall defensive players in the nation and a top-tier three-point shooter. Tariq Owens came in with a little bit of hype from St. John's. He becomes the nation's best shot blocker and all-around defensive player. Brandon Francis was a guy. He was a four-star transfer from Florida. Um, he kept, asserts himself as being a six, a true six-man, giving you critical minutes when you needed it. Kyle Edwards was a slightly highly titled. I think he was a three-star high school dude. Most didn't expect to see a lot of him. He ends up being basically the reason you survive in the NCAA tournament when Jared Culver started to fade. Kyler Edwards provided you scoring. He kept you alive and put you in position to win the national title. Um, Corpor gave you critical minutes defensively. Odiase was in yet another year. He was your senior leadership. Um, uh, uh, Avery Benson would get some minutes as a, as a walk-on. I mean, it's just this team didn't have a lot of people that most people gave any consideration to. Culver was probably the guy on the roster most people thought the most of just because he was pretty good his freshman year, but most expected him to be still developmental, still need to work on his shot. Nobody thought he could just take over this team like he did, and he ended up being one of the Big 12's best. Um, I mean, like, Kayvon Moore was a guy that a lot of people thought we were going to see a lot of, and he just didn't play at all and transferred out. You know, he, he didn't even make it onto the court. 
Um, you know, uh, uh, Malik Undigo is another guy who was kind of had some hype around and didn't really play at all. So there's just like the season gets rolling, and it's one of those years where you're just you're just not sure where your scoring is going to come from. You're not sure how the defense can hold up, and it all comes down to what the transfers do. Terry Gollins and Matt Mooney are going to make or break tech tech's year. And, you know, I remember you win a bunch of games pretty early on. I think you might drop one to DePaul, I want to say, during this time. That was, like, a little unfortunate. But uh, that sounds right. you, you, you're, you're pretty solid. I mean, you're just you, – you win games comfortably. The defense is extremely good. Uh, there's question marks about Matt Mooney early in the year. He didn't look great. Tariq Owens showed up and was pretty immediately very assertive. I mean, like, I – the, the, the there are some moments later down the line that are everybody remembers with Tariq Owens, but he was good year round and just was an unbelievable shot blocker, um, which Tech has not replaced since. You know, if you've watched any Tech basketball lately, they've not been able to recreate that formula in the last four years. Um, you know, they, they've tried, but nobody's been able to do what he does. He was a freak athlete. He was like 6'10", I think, and he was unbelievably springy. And the biggest thing about his game that allowed him to be so good and so immediately dominant was because of the no middle defense, which Mark Adams pioneered and has now kind of spread. Um, Tariq Owens was required to regularly cover guards. That's They switch everything. They, they try to blow up ball screens. And he is one of the few bigs in the country that, yes, there is no one who could drive past him. He recovered too fast. He, was, he could move his feet too well. If you got past him, you still had to get past the shot blockers. The defense was too in sync. He was never, the, you know, they didn't expose holes. It was just one of those things that, um, you know, if you're, if you're wondering how Tech did it, I would say as important as Matt Mooney is, this defense was as good as it was because Tariq Owen. And because he, here's the thing, right? Like Tech doesn't exactly play stellar non-conference games this year. And the other part of this is you're coming off the Elite Eight run, which was, I think, a lot of people thought was going to be the pinnacle of the program. Like, that was going to be, that was their rise, and that was their moment, and great for them, let's move on. So when when the defense starts to do what it does, which was, it was historically good, um, it, it was tough for people to understand. I mean, it was one of those things where you, you just, I, I remember, you know, thinking, um, watching a lot of these early games like this team just felt different you played duke early on and got beat um you blasted i mean blasted some teams early on here um you took out of what was supposed to be a pretty decent little um memphis team you beat nebraska pretty handily took out usc um you know nothing huge you were you, you get down by duke which was a great game honestly zion was uh, everything is advertised and it was a lot of fun to watch. And you start Big 12 play and you rattle off uh, four straight. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Oklahoma was ranked. West Virginia was was one of the bot, you know, just bot hugging teams are always tough. And then you fall three in a row. Um, I remember thinking, like, we just don't. It was just, it, it felt a lot like Chris Beard's first year. Chris Beard's first season, the team really struggled to be consistent. They lost a bunch of road games. They just didn't have enough seemingly to get through. And you, you started to wonder, like, is it just that, is just this going to be that team? You know, are you just going to be another one of those teams where you're going to win 
fairly regularly at home, but you're going to lose some games you're not supposed to on the road. You're really just not going to be able to put together a, a, a strong season. I mean, I don't remember where Tech was in the AP if they were ranked. I want to say they didn't hit ranked until later in the year. And I just, like, you get you get to um, the SEC Challenge against Arkansas, which was a really critical game for Tech. You, you just could not afford to drop that game. Uh, this isn't the Arkansas team of the last of last year. You know, this was a middle tier, lower tier SEC team. You need to get past, managed to get by, and then you 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 get a little bit of momentum. You blast TCU. You just absolutely crush the Horn Frogs, and then you get down by Kansas. And at this point in the year, I mean, it's still the same sensation. You're you're sitting pretty comfortably towards the NCAA tournament, but you're not really on anybody's like radar as being a, a problem. You know, you're not nobody at this point thinks tech is gonna be a factor in the Big Twelve race. In particular, you know, they I think at this stage, like you're just pretty satisfied that maybe you won't finish as low as seventh. You know, like you're not gonna be you can get off the bubble. Um and I just, I, it, still the same. It was just the, the, if I can sum up the Chris Beard era, the problem wasn't the defense. They were extreme, the entire time he was here, defenses were extremely, extremely good. But the motion offense is a soul sucking, crushing experience when it doesn't work. When it is not clicking, it's awful. And I mean, if you look at some of these scores, it just, they, they very, very, very rarely break, you know, 65, 70. It just they it, it when the when it's not clicking, it's tough. It, it's just really really tough. Um, but we're I think really launches this run is you get West Virginia at home, and it's just an absolute demolition. I mean West Virginia teams are tough. This was not a particularly great West Virginia team, but West Virginia teams are always tough. Tech just demolishes them. I mean this was a game I remember watching just thinking holy shit, like you you clear the bench way early. It's not even close. And from that point on, the team played with with a confidence that wasn't um, wasn't there previously. I mean, like there just wasn't um, there was no longer this doubt about what you were going to do anymore. You were going to be, you know, you were going to crush people defensively. You were going to absolutely crush people defensively, and then you were going to do your best to get out of Jarrett Culver's way and Matt Mooney's way and let these guys shoot. And Davide Reddy, Moretti is 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 becomes the most consistent shooter in the Big Twelve, and Brandon Francis becomes the sixth man of the conference. And Tariq Owens it, it continues to be this just dominant stretch five. And Noren Odiase starts doing better on the boards, and it just everything you needed to click starts to click. Kyler Edwards's game picks up, and uh, Deshaun Corpru continues to be a strong defender. It's just if you needed something. It just felt like after that West Virginia game, you had all the answers. It, it It's kind of funny to think back on because they were not, until that game, they did not ever look great offensively. But if you look, like what happens next is then it's like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row, you know, that they break 70. And before then, I think they maybe had like four total outside of the, 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 dog, the dog shit teams they played to start. You know, you get Oklahoma and West Oklahoma State back to back, beat them handily. You crush Baylor, just absolutely crush Baylor. You destroy top fifteen Kansas. I remember this game in particular being a game that was just because the the, the game in the fog 
was very competitive, very close, very, it was a back and forth game. Tech felt pretty good being in that game. And then you just get them at home in the revenge game. I mean, this is maybe one of the worst beatdowns in the history of the conference. Just Kansas completely falls apart in Lubbock, which at this point is rocking. You know, Tech is eyeing the Big 12 title at this point. There's, you can, Kansas isn't as good. There's no other real competitor besides Kansas State. You've got the lead here. As long as you can close it out, you'll get a share of the title. And they just absolutely massacre the Jayhawks. What's really funny about that is then the next game is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has a kid who hits, I don't remember his name, but it's Tech's up pretty comfortably with like three minutes-ish left to play. This kid would rattle off, I think it was four or five straight threes in under a minute to push this in overtime. Mm. This is a really bad Oklahoma State team. I mean, they are a really, really bad Oklahoma State team. And th- this kid, like, it didn't matter. I remember he would have, like, Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens, who at, who at this point were the two best defensive players in the country. Nobody was better with their hands than Matt Mooney. Nobody was better at shot blocking. They were standing right on top of this motherfucker, and he was shooting over them. I mean, they couldn't, <laughs> nothing tech could stop him. It was wild. And they pushed that game into overtime, and Tech escapes, which is a huge sigh of relief for everybody. I remember I was at a bar after that night, and, like, I ran into a guy from Tech who um, I didn't know, but just a random guy at the bar. And he, he was like, you know, oh, shit, did you see that? And I'm like, holy fuck, dude. Like, that that was brutal. <laughs> um, which, you know, that's the kind of game when you're having a magical season, you know, when at this point this was a you're, – you're at – 22 wins, you just crush Kansas. You're, you're approaching the top 10 of the AP. You're looking towards the NCAA tournament. You're trying to fight for seeding. That's what can derail it, is, is dropping games like that to teams like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, going back a second, like I think, you know, they, they weren't super high scoring offense, but I think also coupled with the defense that you guys had, I think it, you know, it's got a nice recipe for, for the team, you know, it looks like they've yeah. they only let let up seventy plus points in like three or four games. You know, one or two of those were overtime games, so that's pretty acceptable. So, you know, keeping teams under sixty is a good a good you know blueprint for winning games. Yeah, I mean, this is like I I wrote an article about this, but this was one of the best defenses since Ken Palm started measuring like adjusted defenses. I mean, they hmm. you no know middle defense is a great defensive concept. Um, it, it is the brainchild of Mark Adams that he convinced Chris Beard to adopt. Um, there's several stories about this, though. Like, that was a battle amongst the staff. How, how are we going to do this? You know, what are we going to do? Yeah. And Mark Adams fought tooth and nail for this concept. But I, I don't think it can be undersold. What made this defense so special was Matt Mooney was the best on-ball defender I've ever seen at any level. I mean, I've never seen anybody do what he was doing. I think he was averaging like, two steals a game. I mean, it was just a ridiculously impressive performance from him. And what really made it is Tariq Owens ate you alive. I mean, teams, you just couldn't get into the middle because if you beat the rotation, Tariq Owens crushed the ball into the fourth row. I mean, he just, Hmm. there was a, you know, Tech had like a shot block counter and I've never seen it get as high as as it did with Tariq Owens. I just, Hmm. nobody could get past him. And it, it made it, it made what was a good defensive system damn near unbeatable. Um, which was funny, you know, for us. <laughs> hey, hey, Macon, for for the uh, the dumbasses of our group, can you explain to me, like I'm five years old, what that defense looks like versus other defenses? Yeah, sure. So the no middle defense is kind of unique in the sense that the idea that was, or I should say, it's not really that unique anymore. 
concept is kind of widespread. Baylor runs it. A few other teams have picked it up. The idea is simple. You're, you're going to, no matter what your objective is to everything to the, to the base, to the sideline. You know, the, I think the diff- it's most similar at the time to what Virginia was doing with pack line, which is why it was kind of funny that the two best defenses of the nation ran into each other in this national title. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea was simple. You're, if, if there is a ball screen, you're going to switch. You're going to switch every possession, any ball screen. You're going to blow up every ball screen. You're never going to take one. You're going to step in front. And you're going to take charges. You will not allow um, and the, the people into what I think they refer to as like the donut, which is that center of the court um, of the arc. You do not let anybody in. If, if they get in, there needs to be somebody rotating over to help. You will abandon shooters in the corner in order to close that off. Gotcha. I think that was the big philosophy change um, was we are going to – you if you can take, you know, 33s a game, we don't think you can make – more than 40% of those, and we'll live with that. Yeah. And we'll contest, we'll do everything we can. And more even than the defensive concept, what became popular with the no middle was the idea that, like, there's no safe possession. We're going to contest everything. I mean, uh, you're going to leave open shooters. That's just a reality if you're over-hoping to stop baseline drives towards the middle. But what Tech has now popularized amongst the program and amongst other schools is, it did not matter where you were on the court. Somebody was flying up at you. You, mm. It was very, the idea is if, even if you get an open look, we're going to speed you up. We're, we're going to, we're going to come at you. And tech around this time develops the reputation for charges. Um, mm. This is when the, this takes a whole other level as they step in and take charges like nobody's business. The charge board becomes a popular, you know, count that the school uses. <laughs> it, it was it was a total change in mindset and culture to adopt this defense and it worked. It, it just fit what tech was about. You know, the street dog mentality was what they called it. You know, they, 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 you're going to play with a chip on your shoulder, no matter who you are at tech. And that, that was what this is back. That was embraced. I mean, that, that it worked here. It works at some schools. I don't think you can run it everywhere. Like press Virginia was big for a while. Bob Huggins had Javon Carter. This might have been his last year. I don't remember if he he played for like six years. He was an old man by the time he was done. <laughs> he looked like it since he turned fifth, like eighteen. He was bald, um, really brutal little pit bull of a guard. Great basketball player, but Tech's defense is more along the lines of it's aggressive. They've actually this year have gotten more aggressive. They didn't used to do as much token pressure as they do now, but. Um, they they pack it. I think the best example is like in so- it's effectively like soccer. You're going to park the bus. You know, we'll give up shots. That we'll give you deep shots. We will give up mm-hmm. some of those a game when you just are faster than our rotation or we make a mistake. But we will not let you move the ball easily. And that, especially this year when the concept was really just starting to catch on, um, and you had such elite on ball defenders. I mean, Jared Culver was a monster on ball. Matt Mooney was maybe the best defensive guard I'd ever seen in college basketball. Uh, Tariq Owens was such a freak shot blocker. Norrens Odiase could take away forwards. Everybody could play, could guard all five. And, you know, they were Tech got really good at even denying bigs. Tech didn't have much size. They got really, really good at denying the ball to bigs. Like, Texas had a couple of guys this year, I think, who were both, you know, seven-footers, NBA, you know, first-rounders. And Tech's objective was to take them out of the game, deny them the ball, deny them the ball. The no-middle had been good the previous couple of years, this was the year it became, I think, the face of college basketball. I mean, this is, I think now the no middle defense is just kind of objectively the most successful system 
um, and that trend has spread throughout the Big 12. That's why Baylor runs it now. That's why you see more less and less of the Big 12 running. Um, you know, Texas runs it because Chris Beard still runs it. I did three. The conference has become less about scoring and more about defense. And what started that was how good Tech got defensively, that everybody else fell behind. Everybody else just fell behind the, the eight ball. And then Virginia winning the national title, also being a heavy defensive team, like I think that has just proven concept. It's too hard to score consistently in college basketball. So defense is the way to win championships, um, which is great for Tech because we're still not a good offensive basketball team even now. So yeah. It complemented the motion offense that Chris Beard likes to run, which I want to be abundantly clear is the shittiest offense in basketball. <laughs> nobody should run. Nobody should run the motion. So I don't know why he believed in that, but it it complemented what the no middle is, which is exhausting. It's hard. You got to be able to rotate your nine. Yeah, let's uh let's go back to that Kansas game for a second. Um, you know, you guys played them tough. Uh, away at the at Fall Gallon, um, you know, lost by double digits, but still a good game. And then, you know, the ability to get revenge at home against a good Kansas team. You know, do you guys feel like you have something brewing at this point? Do you think this team is special? Do you have do you get your hopes way up, or do you just kind of stay level headed? What are your thoughts? I think after Kansas, because of how the schedule broke down late, which was. Um, you know, a not very good Oklahoma State, a not very good TCU, and a not very good Texas. And I don't remember Iowa State being very good this year either. You were basically guaranteed the Big 12 title um, after you beat up the Jayhawks. They were what stood between you and greatness. And that's why that Oklahoma State game that falls was so important is because, like, the only thing that could screw this up was dropping a game you shouldn't have. So yeah. when you just obliterated Kansas, and, I mean, I, I remember watching this game and, liter like, literally laughing. I mean, it was just... <laughs> I've never seen Bill Self so pissed. I mean, he, he nobody could believe what was happening. And when that happened, I think the sense was like, I don't know how good the team is and going to be in the tournament, but there is no doubt in my mind that you'll be probably, you'll probably be a three seed and an elite eight run is the expectation. You expected that with this team at this point. Um, because you were just, you were playing so well. You were healthy. You were playing so well. And, you know, they're just, I don't think Tech was ever rated. I mean, I'd have to look in the top five of the AP um, during this time. I don't think so. I want to say the highest they ever got was seven towards the end of the tournament. So they're, this, despite everything Tech's doing, right? Like you just beat number 12 by 29 points. You are a couple of easy games away from the Big 12 title. Despite all of that, you still can't get noticed. So it was really, really easy to sell this team as the underdogs, and they embraced that entirely. I mean, they played pissed off every week. They're just the, – the concentration – in fact, that when you get to the Big 12 title, you lose in that first the conference uh, tournament. You lose that opening game, which is just such a, a hysterical turn of events. Because until then, I mean, you rattled off – what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins in a row to close out Big 12 play. And that, that was, like, I, I've been a part of, you know, now a few years of Tech basketball being pretty good. I, the, the, I remember during the stretch, you just felt invincible. I mean, it just didn't feel like, like for instance, Tech actually got married that day. That was my wedding. And we're in the groom's suite watching this game. And I was like, man, 
I really hope this isn't like isn't going to be a big deal. Like you know, the game's not going to be over until around the time we walk down the aisle, and you beat him like twenty five or fifteen. <laughs> you know, that was just like it was just like oh well, that that I can go get married now and not have to worry about this shit. Like, it was, <laughs> it was absolutely, we're sitting there watching this, we're like this is a massacre. Like it's over. Yeah. In, like the second, early second half. Yeah. I it, it's for people who don't regularly you know pay attention to Big Twelve basketball, like which is. And basketball is easy to do. You you worry about your own conference. There's enough going on. It is almost hard to to comprehend how unbelievably hard it is to go into Fog Allen and win. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a stupidly difficult feat to do in sports. You're not going to get any calls in there. They're mm-hmm. loud. That's actually kind of a crappy gym. All things considered, it's a bit dated. But the reason why they don't update it is because the setup and all it allows makes for one of the more raucous old school environments in the conference. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so hard to win there. I mean, it's just, it's, Bill Self is too good. I think there's some stupid stat where they've won like 34 out of, you know, or like out of um, 37 Big 12 home games. I mean, it's just, they, the the statistics around Bill Self at the Fog are bonkers, and yeah. the speak around Kansas and the Big Twelve country is even harder to comprehend because of how often they were winning the Big Twelve title. So that that it's just like there there's that's no shit. Probably the hardest place in the country to win. I mean, it's yeah. just really really hard. I put that up against Cameron Indoor or going yeah. or going to um even think of what any of the other historic venues are. I honestly, those are the three that pop up. I would put that up there as the most difficult place to go win in college basketball. Yeah. You just can't trust can't, can't trust the officials or anything. As a Kansas fan, I think I even admit that, you know. Um <laughs> I, I feel like I hear about the officiating from <laughs> any of my friends who <laughs> when they're watching Kansas games or whatever. But um I mean because of that, like losing there is 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 not a hit to your yeah, resume. Not know? a bad loss. So that's why we talk about, you know, hey, that was a competitive game or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing about Kansas that hurts them the most when it comes to Big Twelve play now, when the conference is so deep and so competitive, and they can't just assert their will over it anymore, is they are still been good. They've just been good for so long. People don't put a lot of stock in losing to Kansas. It's yeah. really, really hard for Kansas to throw a knockout punch to yep. a conference competitor because they, they just – if you lose to Kansas, you lost to Kansas. You move on, you regroup, and you go worry about the next Hall of Fame coach on your schedule. And that that's yeah. that's kind of the end of the day where it's like what Tech was doing to these teams – I mean, Tech just killed people's years. Everybody during the stretch that Tech beat, like this was just – this was it. They threw the knockout because they crushed – nobody likes to lose to Tech. You know, there's no winning history here. There's no success that people can point back to. And especially how Tech was doing it to people, you know, which was just they just took your offense and broke it in half. They just literally just snapped it over their knee. It was just humiliating. It just cranked, broke people's spirits. And that, that was how Tech built its name, which just they were they play a, to this day, a soul-crushing version of basketball. And when it's played at the highest level, when Tech is – when that defense clicks – it's really, really tough to get past. I mean, like that. That Mark Adams puts a significant amount of work into scheming this defense and getting it ready. And um, during this run, his dedication to film and 
adjustments and all this helps Chris Beard navigate, you know, a, a season that really could have gone off the rails, right? Like you drop several Big 12 games pretty quick. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're screwed to lose, you know, three Big 12 games, but you drop three in a row. You finally get a couple wins, and then you get beat, you know, comfortably by Kansas. So to turn around and then just rattle off this win streak was a testament to the culture that was built, which was that they just weren't going to quit. And um, it's the proof of concept in basketball. I think the thing we all know, the older your team is, the better they are. This is a very old tech team. A lot of these guys are seniors, grad transfers, second-year guys. You know, there's not a diaper dandy on the squad. And that that is just how basketball's played now. If you're not old, you get beat. You know, I- Memphis would – what was um, Penny Hardaway whining about? Like, I've got 18-year-olds playing 24-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Dude, you recruited them. You're right. <laughs> you built the right. roster. I, I was going to ask about that earlier. You talked a lot about the roster earlier, and I was going to ask about their experience and whether they, they had lost anybody from the Elite 18 or anything like that. The biggest loss would have been Keenan Evans. Um, he was the focal point of the Elite 18. And... The funny thing about Keenan Evans that I always like to think about, we were talking about this in our, our Viva pod the other night, which is Keenan Evans is not particularly athletic. It's just, he's just not like an explosive athlete. And that basically meant he was never going to go to the NBA. Like he had no NBA prospects. He was undersized. But Keenan Evans was an all-time great college guard, was just elite at getting to the rim despite all of this and hitting shots. And losing him, him graduating, was one of the big reasons why this team wasn't expected to do very well. Is there wasn't any clear person to assume that role. Jarrett Culver develops and assumes that role and goes on to the NBA after this year and becomes a, a one a, a, a first round draft pick himself. Um, but what allowed Tech to do that was they did have to first replace Keenan Evans. That was a that was the heart and soul of everything Tech did. I mean, he was a guy you counted on him to drop twenty a game, and you didn't have anybody on the roster that you felt like was going to give you that production. You also lost Justin Gray. He was another one of the, the so. There is some tendency amongst Tech fans to forget this, that Chris Beard inherits a Tubby Smith program when Tubby goes to Memphis that had just made the NCAA tournament. Tubby Smith did the hard part, which was getting Tech, which was a bottom dweller in the Big 12, into the NCAA tournament. There is a core nucleus of guys, Justin Gray, Norton Zoyase, Keenan Evans in particular, those three guys, who are then responsible almost entirely for reviving Tech basketball. Um, Keenan Evans, Justin Gray, both graduate. Norton Sodiase is the last man from, I think, the Tubby group. I don't think there was another guy that was out of that group. I guess technically I think Sorrells might have been, but he's a walk-on. But Odiase is the only guy left from that nucleus who was responsible for reviving Tech basketball, and his leadership was critical. Justin Gray was a great player, very underrated, did a lot of stuff well, great on ball. Um, Zaire Smith was one and done, like I said. He actually was another one of those guys that came out of nowhere just came out of nowhere and dropped a 360 alley-oop dunk that, like, caught everybody <laughs> everybody's attention in the NCAA tournament. And you, I've seen great athletes. Everybody's does in basketball. Like, Zion, when, at his peak, was such mm-hmm. a special athlete. I've never yeah. seen people as springy as Zaire Smith. It was wild. Um, so you lose these guys, and you're playing them with players nobody's fucking heard of. Like, nobody knew who Matt Mooney really was. He was coming from South Dakota. Yeah. Um, he had played in the Air Force previously. Tariq Owens had something was up at St. John's. He didn't like it. There was a little buzz about him, but you're backfilling with unknown transfers for guys who were very, very good basketball players. Um, and 
But the thing that you kept, the thing that you kept more than anything else, was this is an old basketball team. You get a bunch of guys on this roster who are sophomores and seniors and juniors, and that experience proved to be the difference between, you know, that three-game losing streak knocking Tech off the board and being able to rattle off 10 wins in a row. Mm -hmm. um, and a little credit for a lot of this should go to Odiase. He was probably the heart and soul of this team more than anything else, and it was largely responsible for keeping them together when shit started to fall apart. Talk a lot about uh, Texas Tech not being noticed until later in the season when they when they beat Kansas and they go on this run and rattle off these wins. Who who was uh, kind of in the spotlight? Like in the Big 12, it was still Kansas. I mean, this is yeah. still Kansas's league until proven otherwise, I think was just kind of the belief, uh, which is why that demolition stands out so much, is that was – at least for this year, changing of the guard moment where Kansas is not the best team in the conference. It's Tech and Kansas State. You know, that, that, that was a moment where you, I think people had to stand up and recognize what Tech's doing. I mean, if you look at these AP poll votes, right, like you're in the middle, let's see, when, when is the TCU game? That's March 2nd. So that latest AP poll that comes out following, you know, towards the end of this stretch and Tech's sitting at 18th. You haven't even broken. You actually went down from the original poll from the 28th and had only lost to Kansas. That was the Kansas loss. Knocked you down the poll. You then win, you know, another five, six games in a row, including obliterating Kansas, and you moved up uh, two spots. You know, like, it's just this team never, because of how they were winning basketball games, just didn't get noticed. Um, it, I don't. Part of it's because the AP poll in basketball is the, the, the shittiest poll in all of sports. It just like the, the the it's impossible for everybody to watch all these games. Yeah. So when Tech is doing this, you know, really ugly. You know, they just they take your offense and they break it, and then they play they kind of play around on offense. Not exactly great scorers. So like you're heading into the tournament, and Tech doesn't break into you know the the the, the and until when is this like the last AP poll of the year? You know, you, you have to get into late into March before Tech even gets to the top 10. You know, and this is a team that was about to win the Big 12. Mm -hmm. It was about to win the Big 12, had not lost in a very long time, had beaten good basketball teams. And, you know, it just it's one of those things. The Big 12, at least at this point now, this has kind of changed because it's Baylor's league now. But can't, it was Kansas until proven otherwise. Nationally, I think Duke was the hot name. Gonzaga was a big name. Um, Virginia, this looked like yeah. their, you know, their chance to have a date with destiny. And it just, it was hard for Tech to get noticed. They just didn't play a very pretty brand of basketball. It was, sometimes it is that simple. But, you know, that's just how it goes. I was going to say, it's also kind of a good thing, right, that they could kind of have that chip on their shoulder that they're not being recognized. And I don't know, maybe that kind of played into their run a little bit of, you know, we're not. Oh, sure. I, I think Chris Beard liked it. I think yeah. it, it, he liked that they just couldn't seem to move up the rankings much. Yeah. I think he liked that as good as this team thought they were, that they couldn't, they weren't getting the same respect as like the other top five teams were. I think he right. liked that they ended up being a three seed. I think there was a lot about that that he liked. Um, I mean, there's a quote from him in the press conference before the national title. He gets asked basically like, how surprised are you or something that Tech made the national title? 
And his response is basically just like, with all due respect, like, why should I be surprised? Like, why why don't we deserve to be here? Mm -hmm. And that was the mentality this team embraced. I mean, these were guys who just didn't have, like, they. I think I saw something lately, because, you know, Texas fans are losing their minds right now because they suck. And yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> they're trying to figure out, like, what's happening. And, like, there, there's, like, most of this roster is, like, no-star guys. You know, David Murray's a no-star guy. He becomes the best shooter in basketball. Um, Brandon Francis was the highest-rated player on the roster, and he had already flamed out of Florida. So, like, th this was a very unheralded roster, and they're used to being underdogs. They were used to being overlooked. That's why they ended up in Lubbock in the first place. So, right. there's a lot there that I think helped them. Ending the season strong. You know, getting that share of the Big 12 title, it's pretty sweet. Um, going into, like, the Big 12 conference tournament, what are your thoughts? I remember heading into the Big 12 tournament. Here, Here's, like, a funny thing about tech sports. The sport that tech is best at, or was, is baseball. That's, like, been the thing for the last, like, six, seven years. Yeah. Uh, and baseball had a big problem of being dog shit awful in this tournament. I mean, like, just hilariously bad at the baseball tournament. Basketball had also not been good in this tournament with Chris Beard. Um, you know, they're just not – like, I don't know if it's the belief that this tournament just doesn't mean much to you if you're not fighting for seeding. I, I, I don't remember or, like, I don't fully get it. But there is a mindset that Tech came into this tournament league and really overlooked it. I think that you were looking ahead. I think you were yeah. thinking about maybe if we get past West Virginia and we make a real run in this, we can get to a two seed. We can get to a one seed. If we just if we just cruise through this tournament, and West Virginia was awful. There's a bad West Virginia team that has to win this tournament in order to make the tournament. So the, you you caught a t opponent that was highly motivated, and you were caught napping. I don't know if anybody thought anything other than I think the expectation was still like a good year was going to be another Elite Eight run. I think that was I don't know if anybody seriously thought. Tech had the juice to make a Final Four run or a, a national championship run. I think most people probably even would have been satisfied just making the Sweet 16. You know, stacking Sweet 16 appearances is the sign of, like, a good, stable program. And I think that was the thought process. And I think a lot of that did factor into why you overlooked West Virginia. It's just you're thinking ahead. Um, the antidote about this is after this game, Chris Beard prints out the score of this game in little cards and gives it to all the players to keep in their wallet so that they never overlook another opponent, which is important because then they play a couple of guys in the tournament who are not, you know, necessarily big names, not people anybody expected, you know, necessarily be uh, be uh, challenges for Tech. Though Buffalo was a popular upset pick, we'll get to that. But the mm. you, that I think honestly, I think this ended up being a good thing. You got rested, you got you took care of some health issues, guys were a little banged up, a little tired. And you refocused. I don't like the conference tournament. I don't think if you, I think if you need it, lose this shit as early as you can, because battling it out through Big Twelve basketball games is difficult. Playing the no middle defense for in Big Twelve play is difficult. Lose it and sit out. I mean, I don't know if they intended. <laughs> Chris Beard gave and gave a shit about this. Everybody wants to win, but right. it's kind of nice to slap your players around. Just be like, look, you haven't lost in a very long time. I mean, they hadn't lost since February. It's now March fourteenth. They hadn't lost since February second. It's been over a month since Tech had experienced a, a, a defeat, and the, the, they needed that. I, I think it's really hard to just win out. That's why nobody ever goes unbeaten in college basketball. It's just really hard to win every game. So losing now rather than the next you know, weekend is the ideal scenario for me. Um, 
still, we were all pissed. I mean, people, people were still mad at me. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, everyone who wanted Tech to win this tournament, to kind yeah. of, if you were sharing the Big 12 title with Kansas State, this was your chance to, like, win it out, outright. So, people were still, I remember being pissed. I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But I think Chris Beard and Co. didn't really care. They just used it to motivate the guys. Um, you know, it, it, I think it ended up being for the best. I think that if you don't lose this game, if you do win a couple Big 12 tournament games, or God forbid win the tournament, I don't know if there's enough juice in the tank to motivate this team heading into some of these games that could have been traps. Yeah. Um, you could have gotten caught napping. Yeah, and also, I mean, like, I don't know, you think about it, like, they're co-Big 12 champs already. They're going to get an at-large bid regardless. Um, winning this tournament really would have just changed their seed, right? I mean... Yeah, you, you, you might have. And I mean, may, maybe gotten a two-seed. Like, yeah. that was the best outcome out of this, was maybe you draw enough attention, you get a two-seed. Which doesn't... Three and two isn't the same distinction as, like, one and two is for people. I mean, yeah. the, the, the bracket for Tech was pretty favorable regardless. And it ended up being... I mean, once you hit... This, this was a pretty stacked tournament field, I mean, when you look down the line. But you got a pretty good seed. I, I don't... I personally, if I'm a team that I'm top rated, like I'm number one, if I know I'm going to be a one or two seed, I don't even bother to participate. I sent out my walk-ons, just like, we're going to get some reps. Like, fuck this. Like, that's just, it's just not worthwhile. The trophy means very, very little. You know, Texas, for instance, is a great example of this last year. Shaka Smart wins the Big 12 tournament. You know, they're heading into the get down by Abilene Christian. Nobody cares that he won the tournament because he <laughs> lost the next weekend. So that you, you just... There was a sort of pride because you wanted to win it outright over Kansas State. You wanted to get one more chance at them just because I think you split that game with them, if I remember right. So there was no real way to differentiate who was better. So that was the only reason anybody cared. But I don't know. You want to win them all, but I, I'm okay. And it made West Virginia feel good about themselves. This was a really bad year for them. Bach Ellingans almost died. Like, you know, his heart might have exploded if they went got knocked out of the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Like. Right. right. Somebody needed it more than us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta every now and then you help you help the, the little brothers of the poor or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> Throw West, Virginia, West Virginia is, you know, Bob Huggins kind of a crazy dude. I, it was nice to see him not, you know, beat somebody to death on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm gonna get a refill real quick. Cool. Excuse me. It's the time. There's a there's a refill. Holy cow. All right. Well, Macon is off uh, for another drink, so it's time for us to all grab a refill from the Quack Cooler. Quack Golf is the official sponsor of the College Basketball Stories podcast and all other stories podcasts. Um, our crew found Quack online because we we saw their logo on Twitter, um, thought it was awesome. Checked their gear out, and it's uh, pretty good stuff. Um, I'm wearing one of their quarter zips right now. Um, you can wear this thing to the course, uh, go straight to the tailgate, to the bar, to the game. You can sleep in these things. I haven't done that yet, but I'll have to try that out. Um, <laughs> it's very versatile. Um, they've got quarter zips, polos, vests, shorts, hats, belts, socks, on and on, whatever you want. Um, go check everything out at quackgolf.com. That's quack spelled K-W-A-C-K. Use our promo code STORIES15 for 15% off your order. That's stories, S-T-O-R-I-E-S, 15, at quackgolf.com. They're golfers, or they like to play golf, and 
Uh, I think we're tired of all the expensive kind of golf, you know, companies out there. So um, can't blame them. that shit costs a fortune. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, well, on the off chance that anybody from Coca Cola listens to this, here's here's my Coca Cola vanilla. He's <laughs> great. There's no free ads on this podcast. He's doing that for free. <laughs> Man, he really must like Coke. All right. Yeah, you can. All, my nil like DMs are open. You can hit me up whenever. Here, I'll, I need an ad. This is uh, this is new riff, Bourbon from Newport, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> sponsor us we, we yeah. send money yeah. New riff. i used to live in cincinnati uh i continue to buy your product here it is <laughs> i drink it what is it new riff i haven't had that yes you oh, have is that the one i, I gave bought you? you some no i gifted it to you the horse one no not that one that was a different one <laughs> i don't think you let me look it up. Maybe you have. If you're trading bourbons enough, you can't remember which bourbon you can It's next door to Party Source in Newport. Party oh, Source, our new sponsor from Newport, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find my Gatorade bottle, so don't worry, Gatorade. You're going to get a chance, but I decided to bust out the, the Jamaican rum and make a vanilla rum and Coke. The, the drink of champions. Yeah. What kind of uh, gin we got going? Or wait, I went with a, a rum and coke first. Okay. My brother got me. I'm gonna, gonna go say, with a gin and coke would kind of be weird. I think. You know, I don't know how good I, I've tried it. It's weird. It's like it tastes wrong. I think is the way. To, like you shouldn't mix yeah. dark liquid with light liquid. It yeah. Tastes wrong. Yeah. My brother got me this. Um, like really, you know, it's like real Jamaican rum, so it's just like a ridiculous percentage of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't. I, I because I don't like to do any drink normal instead of like regular Coke had to go with the vanilla Coke. That's why like when I did this with the the college football one, it was the same thing. I drank just like the stupidest shit I could find, like <laughs> Belgian lambic beer and like like watermelon coolers I got from like the the the, the little convenience store three minutes from my house. Like I can't, I'm never gonna drink on these anything normal. Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah, and I busted out the fancy copper cup for no apparent reason, even though yeah. this isn't a rule. Well, it's official. It makes it official. I think it makes it classy. You know, yeah. just, if you ever add, add the copper cup that I got from like Target, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, but it's copper, so it's nice. Yeah. It, you know, I, I don't know what it is about the cup. I like it. I like them. <laughs> I don't know what, what the reason is for the copper. I'm sure somebody actually smart could explain that, but I think they stay cool, which I like. Because um, I don't like to drink shit warm. I know some people do. I do yeah. not. <laughs> it just has to be fun. You don't need a reason. That's true. I would if I could convince bartenders to use the copper cups more often. I absolutely would. Like I would like, make me a margarita and put it in the copper cup. I don't need the stupid glass. Like I, I I want the cup. But they only do it for Moscow Mules. It's a little depressing. That's true. That's true. Probably a good good place to start. I mean, expectations going into the, the tournament. Happy, unhappy with where you were seated, the region, stuff like that. I think, all in all, I don't remember being unhappy with the region. I will say, the Elite Eight run, part of what allowed that to succeed was the region was actually Dallas, which is the biggest alumni base for Tech. 
So I think there was a scenario you could have ended up back in Dallas, if I recall correctly. Could be wrong about that, and you missed out on that. But you're, you're playing this game. I think this is Tulsa is where BOK is. Um, you weren't particularly, like, upset about anything. I mean, you if you look down the line, you knew down the line you were going to probably have to play, you know, some tough squads. Like Gonzaga, Michigan, Michigan State, you know, who you end up running into. Like, that's the breakdown. And this is why I think that just like this was a very loaded NCAA tournament field. These teams didn't get upset. You know, these are high seeded teams. You teams you're supposed to play. Buffalo being the big upset, I think, of the region. I think they got as a six, maybe maybe an eight. I don't remember exactly, but they they were the one that like was supposed to maybe play spoiler. Um, I remember thinking like, you know, I like this. Like I think this stylistically is good for tech. And if you win those first two games and you're in the Sweet Sixteen, everything else is gravy. Um, I don't think because of what happened with West Virginia, anybody expected to move up higher in seeding. I think, you know, you were kind of locked into that three seed regardless what happened. Um, you know, that's just the Big 12 wasn't as good that year, the 2019 year, like admittedly. You know, Kansas was was not as good. Kansas State was your, your other real big team. I don't remember how the other teams seeded out, but I don't remember them being particularly, you know, spectacular. Like, I think Oklahoma by the end of the year had like faded off the map. Um, Texas was bad. So I don't think anybody was mad. I think this is one of those years where you you were just kind of like, all right, let's just let's line them up. You know, let's I think we like our matchup. You get Northern Kentucky first. Here's why this tournament frustrated me to no end is tech and why it continues every time tech makes the tournament. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. For whatever reason, Tech remained an extremely trendy upset pick. This was true last year, too, with um, Utah State this previous year. That was like, if you, the Bleacher Report primer, all five of the basketball experts picked Utah State to knock off Tech. Tech is just, it's an unsexy brand of basketball. So Northern Kentucky was a pretty tough little squad. Tech was kind of a trendy upset pick. Um, and that's who you're focused on first. You know, I got to interact with their fans some. They have actually kind of an active fan base for, for you know, kind of a small school nobody ever heard of. Um, they battled hard in this game. I mean, like, you look at the final score, this was a contest start to finish. You know, Tech didn't shoot the ball well in this game. Um, and trend of the tournament, Jarek Culver wasn't very good in the NCAA tournament. Like, as good of a basketball player as he was during the year, he's pretty bad throughout most of this tournament run. Um, he's pretty, like, non-factor. In fact, during, like, Michigan State, he actively hurt you until the end. Um, and he actively hurt you a lot in the Virginia game. Uh, Northern Kentucky, you you just you take care of business. Win and move on. You end up winning by 15. It was competitive, which was probably good. After the West Virginia game, it was good to get your blood going a bit. Like, not just cakewalk through that, not clear your bench. Get, get punched in the mouth a little bit. Um, the Buffalo game is the funniest game of the tournament. Like, by no imagination possible could I imagine a, a better scenario for Tech than playing what was, like, the fastest-paced offense in the country. 
Buffalo was the, if you're talking about teams that were supposed to play spoiler, Buffalo was a team most thought was going to beat Tech because they just played this extremely aggressive, I think this is Nate Oates' team, um, extremely aggressive downhill. We're going to play everything in transition, et cetera, et cetera. How's the no middle going to catch up if it can't even get set? You know, blah, 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 blah. Tech kicks the shit out of them. I mean, this just isn't competitive after the second half. Tech just absolutely annihilates and They went something like seven minutes without scoring in this game. I mean, just like ridiculous scoring routes. Um, they, they just completely got eaten alive. And why this is funny is after the fact is Nate Oates was still talking shit about Tech's defense, which was just like, like there's a, they asked a bunch of coaches, like, how do you attack? And he's like talking about it. He's like, this is what you got to do. You got to do all this stuff to, to beat him. You can get by him. You got to make some shots. It's like, dude, you didn't score for 10 minutes. Like you're the least, <laughs> yeah. you're the least, like of all the authorities I listened to on how to attack this defense, it would not be the guy whose offense completely fell apart. And they just kicked the shit out of him. This this one felt personal. Like, this one felt personal that they were mad and they played like it. That there was this sense that, like, how fucking dare the nation look at a MAC team and think that they're just going to run up and down on the Big 12 champion. Like, how, yeah. how dare are they? And yeah. Tech just absolutely murders them. I mean, I kind of I love that about college basketball. Like, when when – there's a little anticipation for a game and there's some shit talking and, and like people get at, get after it on Twitter and yeah, it was with themselves, you know, the, the tournament in particular, I love to see it because like a lot of these tournament matchups can be a bit sterile, you know, cause the teams don't know each other that well, that it's, it's, you, you're, you're either the underdog or you're not is usually how those games either play out. So this one though, this one had a little nastiness to it. This one felt a little personal like this is a proof of concept game, you know. Like we're we're gonna we we need to prove that what the no middle can do isn't a fluke. That like we yeah. can. This was the fastest paced offense in the country, and we are going to monkey stomp them into the ground until they cry. Like they they they. It, it, Chris Beard has games. Like Chris Beard had games. Mark Mark Adams has games where like, you know, Mark Adams is a former boxer. You know, he owned like a minor league hockey team. Very West Texas guy. Chris Beard has a similar when he was at tech i don't i won't i'll refrain from commenting on his texas stuff until later but um <laughs> they, they there there was some nastiness to these guys this year i think that there was some they coached pissed and the team played pissed a lot and this was a game where these next two games are just ugly i mean like they 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 were mad about some of what was being said about them and just punished people because i i wrote an article about this around this time what was hard for people to grasp was the the no middle defense was historically good this year. I mean, Tech was you know had been good defensively last year that helped spur the Elite Eight run. This was a defense that was almost hard to explain because they did give up three point shooters. Like you were you could take those shots. Granted, when a six foot ten Tariq Owens is screaming down the sideline and has the ability to jump and block that shot from the other side of the gym, you speed up, and that meant a lot of those shots just didn't fall. Like, that was the thing that confused people to death, was, like, how are teams who get these open looks not making them? The answer is just, like, they were really fucking athletic. They were really fast. They were really mean. They could cross <laughs> distance quickly. They sped up shooters. So, as a result, like, nobody ever really, until the national title game, when, you know, everybody started writing, you know, X think piece about how basketball's dead because the defensive teams are playing for the title. Whatever. But until, like, <laughs> they started to get noticed, like, it, the tech was a trendy upset pick. I don't think they were a favorite. 
in any of the next games after Buffalo and even against Buffalo, it was definitely a sense that like if you were going to pick an upset, that was kind of a popular one to do. I mean, I think it was like maybe like 40% of ESPN brackets had Buffalo knocking off tech, you know, like it wasn't like they weren't the favorite. It just like, they were that's This was expected to be competitive. This was expected to be a very competitive game. And it just yeah. wasn't after yeah. the second half it was over. Yeah. I mean, you know, the defense shut it, shut down a team, as you said, highest powered offense in the country, averaging almost 90 points a game. Um, you know, they scored less than 60. That's, that's a pretty crazy turnaround. Yeah, they did it in like a particular, like the weakness of the no middle defense is to beat it down the court. And what I think this demonstrated was like, not only was Tech sound schematically, in this year in particular, they were just freakishly athletic. In the next two iterations of the no middle, they weren't as athletic, and you can see the slump. Like the defenses just weren't quite as good. This defense was special because like, the least athletic guy on the court was Davide Moretti. He was awful his freshman year. Like like I said at the start, like borderline unplayable because of how badly he moved. And I don't know if I gave that kid in the offseason, but by the, the by this year, he was running up and down the court with the best of them. And that, that was a testament. Like Matt Mooney, you know, generic white guy number three out of South Dakota State. Like nobody thought would just become like this, you know, this unstoppable wall of a defender. Like nobody could get past these guys. And it made it hard for Buffalo, which is predicating the idea, like, we're just going to beat you in transition, we're going to take a bunch of shots, because, yeah, we want you to take a lot of shots. The more shots, bad shots you take, the faster we can slow down the pace of the game. Because you get the ball, you slow it down. You get the ball, you slow it down. And that's that's how Tech played basketball. And it was just... What I loved about it in particular, because this, this was a game in the tournament where, like, yeah, I, I wanted... You wanted to make the Sweet 16. This this meant a a hell of a lot to the past Buffalo and get that Sweet 16 berth like that that was a really big deal um, to stack those you know that's something not many programs do year in and out so that was that was a big deal and to do it in a manner in which like you were just so dominant and Buffalo players talked so much shit like it was just a lot of fun it, this was a fun one of all the games in the tournament I think the Buffalo game was the most fun win for for me to watch just because like yeah. They talked a lot of shit coming in this game and got hit really hard <laughs> early and often, and that, that that was enjoyable. Which does lead into the Michigan game, which is, uh, you know, speaking of the trending college basketball, Michigan was another team that was really good defensively, like really, mm -hmm. really good defensively. Are, um, we in the, are we in the Sweet 16 now, or where are we? Yeah, this is the yeah. Sweet 16 game. Which is a like I said, it's a big deal for the program. Yeah, yeah. I could only made I think two Sweet Sixteens to this point. One last year, one I think under Bobby Knight. Uh, I'd have to check that. Maybe there might have been one more, but not many is the answer. You know, the, the, this is the first time ever that the program had put two back to back. Um, and the score is misleading in this game, and it because at halftime it's like twenty to twenty three. Like, neither team could throw it in the ocean. I mean, nobody could shoot. The defenses were so good. And then it, it's similar to what happened in Buffalo in a lot of Tech games this year. Chris Beard adjusted at halftime. Mark Adams adjusted the defense at halftime. And they just stepped on your throat. I think Michigan went, like, 11 minutes in this game without scoring um, a basket from the field. Like, it was just an absolute – like, they just choked them out. Because if you look at the final score, it's not like Tech suddenly started to hit a bunch of shots. Like, this was a – grind on the offensive end for Tech. It just didn't matter because Michigan couldn't score at all. They just completely got stonewalled. And 
what was a rock fight turned into a beating. I mean, they just they just beat him to death. It just it was typical tech stuff this year. Was you just we're not going to outscore you with under a blaze of threes or just incredible offense performances, but we're going to be consistent and we're just not going to let you score. Like we take personal offense every time the basket touches the rim, let alone goes in. Like they just ate them alive, which. I think this is the moment perception turned a bit was when they did this to Michigan. I think this was the moment where, like, you win this Sweet 16 game so convincingly against a good defensive Michigan squad, and the answer is just, like, you know, maybe there isn't a fluke to, like, there isn't a trick to this. You know, they're just just good defensively. You know, there's no trick. They're not going to, they're not doing anything, you know, eccentric to do this. They play hard defensively. The scheme is sound, and they are good at basketball, which I don't know why it takes until the Sweet 16 to figure that shit out when you won the Big 12 tournament, but it did. So, I this like Buffalo was important for the program, I think, to get back to the Sweet 16, and everything in the NCAA tournament after the Sweet 16 is always just gravy. It it meant a lot to how the program was thought of nationally to get past Michigan, and I think it would have been different if this was even a close game. Like if this had been close. I don't know if it would have been enough to turn perception yet. I mean, you win, you take care of itself. That's why Chris Beard never cared about it. That's why the program never cared about it. But this was a moment where if you're if you're like ex-national pundit who's written like your 18th think piece about like the freedom of movement being dead in basketball or whatever the fuck you're writing about, um, like this <laughs> is the moment where you're just like, well, they actually are good. Like they're well coached. They're sound fundamentally. They have enough offense to win. There is a they are legitimate contenders for the national title at this point. Um, because Gonzaga was a favorite, which is who we have next. So this was ex- now suddenly there was a lot more hype around this game because Gonzaga is a favorite to win the tournament. Um, Tech is not even now like really considered probably of the Elite Eight, one of the lower tier teams, but they're getting attention. And now this game becomes one of the better ones of this tournament. Um, this is a really fun game. Uh, there are some really recognizable moments in this game. Probably the most recognizable of all the ones I remember is the uh, Tariq Owens admittedly illegal block, catch, and toss back in bounds. But you haven't ever seen it. It shouldn't have been counted. You can't do what he did. That's It's an out-of-bounds. He blocks a three-point shot on the sideline, just flies in and blocks it. Um, jumps up, back up, catches the ball, and throws it back in bounds. Now, the rule in basketball is, is you have to reassert yourself in the field of play before mm-hmm. touching the ball again or it's out of bounds. The officiating crew missed that, and Tech, that play ended the game. That was it. That was Gonzaga's last chance. Was that was that little burst that killed him. That just put the, the nail in him. And I also think this is the game Tariq Owens gets hurt. It's either this one or Michigan State. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head which game this happened in. Is this that's the moment like the the national title basically kind of slipped through your fingers? Is the uh, Tariq Owens was the heart and soul of this defense? Him and Matt Mooney, mm-hmm. uh, and when that happened, you're he. I want to say he ended up breaking his foot, and I'm trying to make sure I'm thinking about this right. No, he gets hurt against Michigan State, so it's not yet. But his uh, that's something that's coming up soon. That injury, I think, is the difference between Tech winning the national title or not. He never got back to 100% after that. There just wasn't time. And mm. the, one of the reasons why you can tell how important he is, and in the Gonzaga game, that play encapsulated Tech's entire mentality. 
was the no, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give anything up. You, you block the shot already. And he just disrespects the shit out of the Gonzaga nation and pulls off that ridiculous stunt. And the referees missed the call. And that ended <laughs> the game. Um, what's also kind of funny about this is the, uh, like I said, Jarrett Culver's not particularly good in the NCAA tournament. Um, he's, he's like, not a non-factor. But he's not, like, he's been the stud all year. All year. You know, he's led your scoring most of the time. He shoots in this game. He scores, what's this, 19 points. The second leading scorer being Mooney. This is his last good performance of the tournament. And even then, this is how he's doing it, and this is what really drove people crazy. Five for 19 from the field. Two for eight from three. He does most of his scoring at the line. He also turns the ball over three times and has only two assists. So, like, he's just – he he's actively killing you being this inefficient basketball player. And, you know, on the flip side of that, Matt Mooney is shooting 50% from the field and dropped 17. Davide Moretti's at about 50%, dropped 12. Odiase's perfect. He only gives you four. Tariq Owens is four or five, nine. So everybody else is picking up the slack. And the guy who's the unsung hero of the team, Brandon Francis – Gives you six. He's your sixth man. He comes off the bench a lot this season and gives you a couple big shots. A big corner three was his calling card. He'd come in, drop a three, and go play good on defense. But the guy who's really starting to you know, make a little bit of show for himself is Kyler Edwards. He drops eight in this game. And in critically important eight. He hits two really big threes in this game. Um, so as and this it's just typical tech basketball. Like You didn't shoot the ball that well. You were good from the line, and you played great defensively. Your best players, you know, completely out of control. Uh, he he he's he's uh, 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 you know just completely. I I don't know what happened to Jarrett Culver. I don't know if the pressure got to him um, a bit, but like it just you can't. I don't care if you score nineteen points when you shoot like twenty percent from the field. Stop shooting the basketball. <laughs> you know, it just it just is one of those things like you just have to learn and he didn't have like that wherewithal this year. Um and late in the tournament that hurt you. It hurt you a lot that, that that's how that played out. Um he's good in the first three rounds of the tournament. He's you know, doing his thing. He gets to Gonzaga and this is where the trend happens. He starts to press. He starts mm. to take ill advised shots. He starts to try to do a lot more hero ball and it's not working. Now, he's your best player, right? Like, he's your best player. He still scores 19 in this game. You still need every point you get from him. You're going to live with that to some degree. It starts to get a lot dicier against Michigan State. This is a sliding scale. So, for reference, he goes from 19 points against Gonzaga to, I believe, uh, um, like, I think it's, I, I'm going to have to look this up to find out. It's He drops to, like, 10, I think, against Michigan State. Um that sounds right. He goes three for 12 and drops 10. So he's extremely inefficient again against Michigan State. Then you got to go to Virginia, who you can't afford to be in, uh, inefficient against. Now let's see here. He drops 15, but again, he's five for 22. So in the three most important games of the year, the three games you need your guy to ball out, he's scoring badly. He's doing the kind of scoring you, you almost don't want, where it's just like, well, you had to get to 15. You wasted so many possessions taking mm. shots. Not all of them are bad. A lot of this is he just goes cold. 
but there were some where it's just like you pressed. Like there are a lot of these where he just take pretty wild baseline drives or take like really long range, mid range shots. Just like for one, he was never the best shooter on the team. His best weapon was getting to the hole. He develops a three point game in order to go to the NBA. And even then, like if you've watched him in the NBA, you can still tell he's just not the world's greatest shooter. Um, the hard part about this isn't necessarily, I think, that Culver played badly or inefficiently is maybe the better word for this. It's just you have, I, if he played well, you know, played within himself, played within the offense, it's it's one of the one ifs of what ifs of this tournament. Like, what would have happened if he didn't miss 17 shots against Virginia? Like, what if he only takes, you know, and he goes like, four for 12, you know, a, a respectable percentage in this game. And you give guys like Matt Mooney who were, you know, on fire during, during the stretch, more shots or in, in, in the Virginia game, the guy who really turned it up was Brandon Francis. He shoots seven for 12. He goes for 17. You know, what if you give that guy like one or two extra shots, you only lose this game by a couple possessions. So mm -hmm. I don't want to hammer on Culver too much. He's the only reason you're in this position in the first place, but the, the, the big, there are two big, what ifs. What if Tariq Owens doesn't get hurt against Michigan State? What if Jarrett Culver had played better against Gonzaga, Michigan State, and Virginia? What if he hadn't have gone cold? Um, what ifs are the the stupidest thing in sports? It only makes you sad, but yeah. it is it is the if you ask tech fans, the, the the things they'll point out is that. And I feel for Culver because I I really do because I felt like he's a hometown he's, kid, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he went to what is it that school right there? Is it Coronado? I think is the one right off the of campus. Anyways, right, love it, kid. He was so close to doing something so special, you know. Like he was a cup. He had been. He started the NCAA tournament pretty strong. He was so close to having that like hometown hero to like the the next level. You know, he's already Lovick's favorite kid at this point. He was so close to bringing a national title to the university, and. It just kind of sucks that it, these last couple games are the ones where, like, it really he really just didn't play that well. Because if he plays well, you know, I mean, yeah, it is what it is in hindsight. But nah, I I always believe Tech was better than Virginia um, if if Culver just played better, which kind of sucks. You know, like your best player just kind of let you down a little there at the end. Um, which is sad, you know? I think that that made his story a little sadder, that he, he really could have stormed his way into the NCAA tournament and into the NBA draft after a couple really big games. And instead, I think that did hurt him a little bit, that he didn't look great in, the, in like, the big moment. You know, the, the, you're in the Elite Eight, and you, you kind of wilted. You're in the Final Four, and you wilted even more. You're in the National title, and you, you actively hurt the team for stretches of his game. Um, so, yeah. Bummer. Bummer for him. But you do get to Michigan State next, which is a crazy game. The reason why I think Tech's run is so fun is you're doing it over a guy, guys like Mark Few. You know, you're doing it over Izzo. Then you you you, uh, you did it over um, who was Michigan? I think that was Howard's like first year, second year. So these guys that are going to become really great coaches. Um, and then you know, the the national title obviously being. Yet another really great coach. You're playing the best basketball teams. You're not playing, and I mean no offense to Loyola Chicago, but it's not the year that Loyola Chicago stuns everybody and makes a run. You know, it's not the year Kansas State stumbles ass backwards into the Elite Eight. You know, it's it's you played the best that the nation had the offer, and 
you beat them. Mm-hmm. You played Michigan State hard, and you were able to get past them. This is another pretty fun game. Very, very competitive. I remember late in this game, um, I think they who, Cassius, what was his last name? Cassius Winston. Winston. Yep. Cassius Winston's just that old man basketball insane player. You know, carried them past Purdue. Just did a lot for this team, and you know, I got I I had nothing but respect for him. He left it all on the court. You know, Tech Tech and Michigan State is of all the games played. You know, that season um, against good basketball teams. You know, Tech played a lot of very good basketball teams. Um, Michigan State and Virginia were probably the two best they played. So it was nice to finish you know, having them back-to-back. And then after that battle, you just managed to close out that game. Um, and, I mean, it, speaking of inefficient scores, like it's not like Cassius Winston was efficient in this game either. Like, to give Culver credit, he ends up against Winston quite often and does a good job slowing him down. The defense in this game is great. The question at the end of that game was who was going to make more shots, him or Jarrett Culver? That, I remember I was talking to my mom about that, and we were sitting watching the game, and I just remember being like, it. You're in crunch time. Your best player has not played well. He's going to make a fucking play. And he hits a couple of big buckets late in this game that gave Tech the win. He was not good in this game, but you're going to live and die with him. And and the Michigan State game against Izzo in the tournament team's first uh, Final Four, you know, he hit, he hit the big buckets you need him to do. Because this is the game, like, Matt Mooney just buries. He, he, he hits four threes in this game. And there were a couple. There's a stretch where he hits a couple in a row. And that was just like the, the, the knife in Michigan State's back. Like that finished them off was Matt Mooney shooting. You know, speaking of like all the improbable things, kid from South Dakota State, you know, just, just drops 22 against an, a Hall of Fame coach with one of the best point guards in the country, you know, on their drive for another national title. So this team has a lot of special moments for guys. Tariq Owens had the moment against Gonzaga. Matt Mooney has the moment against Michigan State. That's remembered very fondly. Um Matt Mooney's a great kid, by the way. Really, really nice dude. Um, he, he works a lot back in Lubbock every now and then doing camps and stuff. He's just a good guy and a great defender, great basketball player. So, you know, to get past Michigan State was was special in and of itself. And now you're finally at the national title against Virginia, which is looking for their redemption after the uh, the funniest NCAA tournament of all game of all time where they just get beaten badly by UMB, UMCB, which I watched <laughs> the end of that game, and I, that was the that was awesome. That was great. <laughs> that was just a lot of fun. Me and my little <laughs> brother were losing our shit watching that game. Uh, but the Labradors, right? The Retrievers, aren't they the Retrievers? Like the Maryland Duck Tolling Retriever, some like really niche yeah. breed of dog and. <laughs> Their Twitter account talked so much shit after that game, and their their like average and like application rate went up like eighty five percent. I mean, it yeah. was just like, <laughs> it was just a great great moment for college basketball, a sport that you know didn't have a ton of those like massive upsets. Um, well, had never had one versus one versus sixteen, which you know in hindsight was probably not great for Tech because I think Virginia was tasting victory. Yeah, I think they were feeling it a bit when they get into this game that like we can yep. we can flip right. the script. Yeah, be, being the first first number one seed to lose to a sixteen seed next season, come back and you know end up in the title game. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Are they one seed in this tournament as well? I want to say yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. They were good all year. Very good. They got a lot of good mm. basketball players. What's funny is they escape like three games in a row. Like the last game, I think, was Auburn has the really quote unquote controversial foul at the end. He did foul the kid. Whether or not that should have been called is debatable. Here's the crazy part. I remember like that game. I wanted to play Auburn like nobody's business. I wanted to play Auburn more than I wanted to play, wanted to breathe. I was so <laughs> certain that Auburn style basketball just wasn't going to work against Tech. They were very much like Buffalo, very fast paced, very aggressive in transition. And I was just like, that's just not going to work. Like we already proved that this isn't going to work. So I was praying that Auburn would finish off Virginia and it just didn't happen. Um, so I was bummed. I was probably the saddest person besides anybody in Auburn about that outcome. Because I really felt like if you played Auburn, you probably would have won by 15. <laughs> just didn't. Auburn didn't scare me. Virginia scared the shit out of me. I, I did not want to play another really good defensive basketball team. You know, I didn't want to do that again. Really slow, methodical offense. Um, Tony Bennett, um, honestly, Tony Bennett probably hurts them in this game. Their style of play was bizarre. They wasted a ton of time off the clock, which was Virginia basketball, but they were, <laughs> this was the game, like, Tech ends up leading late in this game, and I have no idea how. Like, no idea how. I felt like the entire game, Virginia was out playing Tech. And Tech ends up, you know, up late. And I just remember thinking, like, why the fuck did Virginia waste, like, five minutes off the clock just to be trailing down the stretch? Like, why would you ever intentionally decide... Like, we're going to wait until, like, five seconds left in every shot clock to start a possession. Like, why, why would you do that? But that was how late, in basketball. How late in the game are we talking that Texas Tech has the lead? Literally the last uh, 20 seconds. Oh, my God. They're up three in the last 20 seconds. Um, which, I have had this discussion, like, with 12 different people, and there's still no consensus. I think Culver blew the rotation. There is some debate whether or not Brandon Francis blows the rotation on the final shot. Regardless, if if you don't remember, DeAndre Ayton buries a three that pushes this game into overtime on a bust of some sort in the defense. Which, you know, like the biggest kick in your ass was the defense that had been so good all year, cracked on the last possession of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you really did the one guy, the one guy you didn't want to leave open was DeAndre Hunter. It was him. Was he had dropped? I think twenty something up to this point. Him and um, Kyle Guy lit Tech up. They dropped twenty seven, twenty four respectively. But the, the, it was just I remember thinking like, of all the people, of all the people in the universe that you could have left open, the other first round NBA draft prospect is who you decided to leave open. And he just, he breaks everybody's heart. Significantly impacting this is Tariq Owens is hurt against Michigan State. There is a great video of when he runs back onto the court in that game. Um, and the, the entire stadium loses it. Because Tech <clears throat> knew how important he was. But he's not 100%. Um, Culver plays badly. Matt Mooney's not great in this game. Uh, Tariq Owens is dinged up to shit. Only able to give you 20 minutes. So who steps up in this moment is true freshman guard Kyler Edwards. Hits two big threes, carries a lot of your scoring, and sixth man of the universe, Brandon Francis, who drops 17. Those two guys together single-handedly kept Tech alive when all of your starters besides Davide Moretti really struggled. I mean, they just really struggled in this game. And 
you felt there are two plays in this game well three that stand out to tech fans and the first being the rotation whatever the hell happened here is still a bit unclear but there's a bust and there's there's some sort of bust uh hunters left wide open in the corner he buries a semi-contested three as culver races back late um the next possession is awful for tech culver takes the final shot the possession goes nowhere he jacks up some three and is actually blocked. So then we had an overtime. I felt like when we were heading to OT, it was over. It just felt like Virginia was going to win this game. But despite that, Tech actually, if I remember right, was winning. I think they were up three or four when um, Kyle Guy is running around a screen. He's coming off of, of a screen with the basketball, running to the quarter. He trips on his own feet. There's no one within three feet of him. He trips and falls. I don't know what the official thought or what he saw, it's a foul's called. He heads to the line. That changed, that should have been a turnover, and that probably would have been the game. All Tech would have had to do is waste another 30 seconds off the clock, hope for one more basket, and that probably would have been enough. But because mm. Kyle, Kyle Guy is the most clutch motherfucker on the planet, apparently, <laughs> Tech gets called for the foul, he heads to the line and buries two free throws. That, that you can watch the replay of it. I, it's not even close. He falls on his own feet. He hits his own foot rounding the corner and falls over. You know, he doesn't get touched. It wasn't even that, like I said, it's not even that close. I don't understand what the official saw, who I thought was in position to make that call correctly. Um, I thought they had a pretty good spot on that, and they just didn't see it. <clears throat> they called what they wanted to see and not what was there. Mm. The other big play that stands out, so that's two. Number three is the out-of-bounds review. Davide Moretti and Kyle Guy are racing downfield to try to corral an out-of-bounds play. In full rejection of all college basketball logic of all time, Kyle Guy actually slaps the ball out of Davide Moretti's hand. However, because we have replay now, the officials decide to over-scrutinize his play. What mm. effectively happened is, yes, Kyle Guy did hit the ball away from Davide Moretti, but because of how physics works, the ball stayed on Moretti's finger for an extra half second. <laughs> Rejecting all knowledge of basketball. Like, if this this if this happened outside of overtime in the last two minutes, it would have been so, out of bounds like a Kyle Guy tech ball. But because, you know, that's not how, like, the basketball actually moves when it's stolen from you, the ball is handed back for Virginia, who buries, who ends the game. Um, mm. They're able to put it away. So you, if you ever want to trigger a tech fan, review an out-of-bounds call late in the game. Like, <laughs> this gets brought up every fucking time. They just lose it. There was one recently against um, Baylor where a similar situation kind of happened where it was a really close out-of-bounds call, and, like, I, I could have sworn, like, the entire, like, Red Raider fan base had PTSD. Like, they were so upset. <laughs> like, it was just um, – but that'll end the run. That that play ended the national title hope for Texas Tech. Virginia cruises out, is able to bury it with some clutch free-throw shooting, and – the greatest season comes to an end very disappointingly. Um, you know, like I said, I felt like Virginia earned that win. I thought they were better. I thought they were better for most of that game. But you wanted to steal it from them. You just did. You wanted to steal that one from them. You wanted to ruin yeah. their dreams and make Tony Bennett sad and keep him off the board. And <laughs> you, you just weren't able to do it. It was unfortunate. I, You know, anytime you, you're able to win a game or two or make a long run in the tournament is like – a huge success for like 95% of the schools out there. But when you get that close to, you know, cutting down the nets, you're, 
disappointing yeah. still. Yeah, I think it almost hurt worse how it happened. Yeah. I think I think it hurt a bit worse that like it wasn't just that Tariq Owens wasn't healthy. It wasn't just that Jarrett Culver didn't play well. It was despite all of that, you were like three plays away from winning the national title. You, know, mm-hmm. you, were, you were one bad defensive rotation. You were one big three-point shot that that kid hit. You were a couple of bad officiating calls away from having a real chance to win the national title or act outright winning it, you know, with the three-point shooting rotation bust. So that hurt more than anything in the world was just how <laughs> – unbelievable like you were just you were 15 seconds away from an ash you know like that you despite all of the bad things that happened to you you know against michigan state and against um virginia you were right there you you there was a a article written before the game by um i believe it was peter thamel is his name he writes for yahoo that sounds right became infamous because the point of the article was like, this is the shittiest national title ever. It's not going to be fun. College basketball is dead. Because the two teams playing for the national title were defensive teams, pack line versus no middle. And besides the fact that Tech Twitter like lit this dude up. I mean, they just lit him up. Like He just got absolutely destroyed by both fan bases. This became one of the most entertaining national title games ever. You know, this was an extremely hot, hardly hot contested game with two great coaches and two, two great two programs trying to get to the next level, you know, get some respect. You know, Virginia always had the thing about, like, they were the team that embarrassed itself every time at the tournament. Tech had no real history in basketball. Both of them were trying to do something special. So it does depress me a little bit that, like, it was Virginia's moments and not ours. And by a little, I mean a lot. Like, as in, like, you think about that game every basketball season, I cry a little bit. <laughs> you know, it, just, it just was sad. Understandably so. And I mean, what makes this hard now for Tech fans is because of what happened with it's harder to look back on his years fondly. Um, so it's it's especially difficult that you didn't win the national title. Because if you had won the national title, I think it'd be easier for folks to look back. Because n- not only are you dealing with the pain of like falling short now, you've got the baggage of the Chris Beard stuff. And that makes it really, really hard for folks to want to look back on what was a great, like, historically good defense, you know, some great individual efforts, some really special performances for some great kids, you know, the hometown hero. It's just that this should be a fonder memory, which is one of the biggest crimes of Chris Beard leaving is that, like, you can't remember this well, um, as well as you could have, I should say. Hey, Megan, can you fill me in on what the Chris Beard stuff is? Sure, and if you haven't heard the story from a Tech fan, you, you, you're missing out because this is going to be ugly. Oh, boy. Um, so, the next two years after this national title run pass, well, I say uneventfully, this is the COVID year and then the, the restart. Um, Tech is actually not very good. They're a mediocre program these next two years. Um, Chris Beard tries, he brings in some higher, highly touted um, recruits, Jemias Ramsey, Matt, uh, 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 Mac McClung, some of these guys with some real hype, you know, some real expectations, and it just doesn't really work. You know, um, they bring in some guys. TJ Holyfield's a name. I hate throwing kids under the bus, but he just isn't good. Um, Chris Clark's a guy out of Virginia Tech. He just isn't good. Uh, Marco Santos Silva comes in. He's still on the team. He's gotten better this year. He was not good during the How is he still playing? 
the COVID shit has given this guy like a he's played 145 basketball games. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a three year starter at VCU or before. Good guy. Yeah, three year starter. He, he's an old, old man. 145 starts. And it's just that's a, like that's I insane. Can't, I can't even like comprehend playing doing any one thing that long, <laughs> and, and let alone doing it as like. Like I, I've been out of the workforce. I've been in the workforce now for three years, and I, I still need another two before I catch up to this dude who's been playing college basketball. <laughs> yeah, he's just right. he's like balding a little bit. He looks like an old man. Like it's it's. An, I have no idea how he's still around. The, the he is old. Team. He is old. I don't get that. That's crazy. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. The, no, you're fine. Like the COVID shit just bailed out. It's allowed for some of these ridiculous ages. Tech is an old team this year. Um. Which is probably good. You needed to get older. I think that that's been proven. But like, yeah, you, you bring in some of these guys, and it, Marco Santos was still on the team for his twenty seventh year of basketball. But uh, he was not good in Chris Beard's final year. He was a disappointment. He's been a lot better this season. But you just don't win a lot. You're like you're you're around a thirty two team last year, and then unfortunately for Texas despite a, what is the rebound year for Shaka Smart. You know, they're, they're a, I think they finished like second or third in the Big 12 overall, and they win the Big 12 tournament. They're a high seed. They get downed by a very scrappy Abilene Christian team. Tech had played Abilene Christian early in the year. Those motherfuckers tasted blood, and they beat the shit out of you. They, that was a tough little basketball team. Texas still should have beaten by 15, but they don't. They fall. Chaka Smart reads the writing on the wall, which is he's either going to be fired or he's on the thinnest of possible ice. The Marquette job opens, he takes it and runs his tail between his legs back to the mid-major ranks. You know, that that's <laughs> he needs to get out of Dodge in a hurry because it, it was becoming apparent that his brand of coaching just wasn't going to work in Austin. Chris Beard is a Texas alumni. He's a Texas alumnus. The belief has always been amongst the national media that Chris Beard would leave the second that job opened. Like every year, Tech, after the Elite Eight team, we had to read a million stories about how Chris Beard was leaving. After the national title, we had to leave a million stories about how Chris Beard was leaving. And Kirby Hocutt had been proactive. Chris Beard was making like $5.5 million, hit a massive contract. They put language into the contract to increase the buyout for Big 12 teams. So we... We don't know, nobody knows really what Chris Beard's thinking when Texas opens, but the understanding is pretty immediate that Texas is going to come after him, that he is option one. Um, what is fucked up about this the most is there was a, when the hire happened, it was like April 2nd, I think, there was the language of the deal increased his buyout to a certain date, which was like April 1st. Um, at that point, it decreased by $2 million. Texas went to contact Chris Beard until after them. Basically, being he he took the job in advance, and they waited to sign the paperwork to fuck Tech. Like that was deliberate and maliciously attempting to harm the university, um, which was unbelievably shitty thing for him to do. Which was just an un, like unnecessarily shitty thing to do. Texas would have paid the buyout if he had made them. He chose not to to inflict harm on Tech because. Um, Hocutt has gone on record and said he was not given a chance to counter that the, they tried to sign Chris Beard to effectively a lifetime contract in that December range. And Chris Beard wouldn't even negotiate with them. He said like, oh, well, no, no, no. I, if the season's ongoing, I don't want to deal with contracts. Tech was never given the opportunity to counter the offer. 
which is whatever. If you know where you're going to go, the only the only thing you should do is just go. You know, don't he 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 kept his mouth shut intentionally to hurt Ted, which is bad enough. Like the university gave him everything he wanted. The fans came to every game. He's going to a place in Texas where they don't show up. They Tech dumped money into his assistant pool. They dumped money into his facilities. So to at the end there to try to inflict and financial harm for your new home was was awful. Um, there are certain rumors about why he took the job in Austin. Some have more believability than others. Biggest reason just being he's an alum. But there are rumors, and I'll say this now with some, you know, with the full disclosure that. These are just rumors. There are rumors that his fiance did not like living in Lubbock. She was the coach of the friendship volleyball team. I think something happened there and she was either let go or quit. But there were rumors that that factored in. There are rumors that Texas just was willing to pay him obscene amounts of money. And that didn't end up happening. So I don't I don't know what the deal was there. Um, there were rumors that he kept asking more of the university and eventually the university just like couldn't give him any more. Whatever you want to believe, I think the simplest answer is he wanted that job. I think at the end of the day, the simplest answer is always the right answer. His, mm -hmm. his fiance aside, his family aside, everything else aside, he was an alum of Texas and wanted to coach there. Why Tech takes this so personally is the very real reality is he lied a lot about his relationship with Lubbock. He made it a very apparent, oh, this is this is my home. This is where I want to be. This is et cetera, et cetera, so on and so on. And then he went out the door and basically took a flamethrower to the program. <laughs> he tried to poach as many of the assistant coaches as he could get. He tried to poach as much of the roster as he could take with him. You know, he didn't give Hoka a chance to counter. He waited until the buyout dropped. He, uh, there is a story that is told that he actually called Mark Adams and basically told him, like, look, I'm getting on the plane in, like, another hour. You're either with me or you're done. And uh, the, the story is, is Mark Adams had some very not kind words to say about an ultimatum and elected to stay and try to take the tech job outright. Um, mm. So here's what I will say about Chris Beard. Chris Beard is a very good basketball coach. I fucking hate the guy. I think he's a bad dude. I think, he, I think he's a slimy dude. I think his personality is whatever the job needs it to be. I think he's disingenuous. I think that, uh, you know, if, if, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent – he is what's wrong with college sports to some degree. You know, he's a snake oil salesman and yeah. I will root for his failure wherever he goes. And I think, I think people who think tech fans aren't justified in believing so weren't there when it happened. I, I can't explain how much tech fans already didn't like Texas to go not only to an interconference opponent, but to your most hated rival like that was never going to be okay. If he handled it perfectly, if he had handled it 100% above board, if he had handled it with any semblance of class or decorum, it was still going to be a problem. He did the opposite. He stabbed the program in the back, and I truly, truly, truly hope he's fired in two years. So that, that's <laughs> February first game will be will be a fantastic environment. And uh, you know, there there are lines that I really hope Tech fans know better than to cross. You know, obviously with his family, with his his, I think they're married now or engaged, his fiance, stuff like that. But as for the man himself, I hope, I truly hope somebody throws a water bottle at him. I, 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 I'm rooting, I am rooting for them to chant, fuck you, Chris Beard, until his ears bleed. You know, I, we're going to get chastised for whatever we do in this game anyways. So I hope we get our, our, our pound of flesh in. I hope, you know, when he comes back to Austin and Tech comes to town, that they are just as loud and brutal. That's why, like, the, the, the fans have now 
attempted to buy out effectively. Oh, I saw that. That was nuts. Um, and so they're they're battling. The Texas ticket office is going to extreme lengths to prevent it from happening, but Tech fans are staying on top of it. I I, I can't undersell how hated he is, and I think it's justified. I, I, I think that he handled it badly. He inflicted a lot of harm on the program, and he did a lot of it just for the sake of doing it. Like, he, he he was done with Tech, he had used it up, and he moved on, and he left the university in a bad spot. Um, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. he, he took a job at a program where there's 100 people in the crowd, your business. But, you know, I, I'll be rooting for him to fail. And uh, Isn't it uh, crazy that it all started with Abilene Christian? I mean, yeah, which, which is, is really... Which is crazy funny. because Chris Beard got his was that's also his other alma mater. He did his graduate year there and he was an associate assistant or something there. So he's got ties to there. They beat Texas with Shaka Smart. The Texas job opens up and he takes it. So it's just like everything came full circle, which is just nuts because of Abilene Christian. Yeah, and what's also really funny about that is like the style of play that Abilene Christian runs was taken from what Mark Adams developed. They attempt to employ a very, very similar style of play. Like, if you want to talk about Little Tech, like that, Abilene Christian looked at what Tech was doing and said, like, that'll work at this level. And then they they deployed it against Texas with such extreme efficiency that the horns just couldn't keep up, <laughs> which um, is a testament to the system, but it is kind of funny that, like, you, you kind of got stabbed in the back by your own system there. Right. Like, if the middle wasn't as good as it is, that probably wouldn't have worked out the way it did. Right. Shaka probably would have gotten another year. Yeah. Who knows what would happen? Um, you know, Chris Beard's last two teams were not great. Right. You know, they were okay. They weren't great. So maybe it was for the best for everybody that this change happened. That'll all become apparent in, you know, five years, and Mark Adams is probably getting closer to retiring. But, you know, Mark, if Mark Adams had not been hired by Tech, I think this could have gone south in a hurry, um, which is one of the reasons Texas fan or Tech fans hate Chris Beard so much. Yeah. It's because if Eric Adams had decided to go to Austin, if he had elected to go and he had elected to take with the defense and the culture with him, I think Tech would have been fucked. I, I don't know who you could have hired that would have been able to keep this going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that 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 is part part of the reason why there is so much anger and dislike and why that that game is going to be a absolute hate fest. And I mean, they, it will be as loud and as obnoxious as tech fans can be. And trust me, we can be very loud and very obnoxious. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fortunate enough. I get to go to the game in Austin, so that'll be fun. Nice. Oh, nice. Um, that was a great rant, by the way, and that was perfect. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a perfect ending. So we'll, I want to close with this question since you kind of just expressed your feelings about Chris Beard, but you know, if, if you met him right now, if you met Chris Beard right now, what would you say to him? I don't know. I mean, it's tough because, like, I I don't think he's a good dude. But, like, at the end of the day, this is a business. And I, I do understand business decisions. I do think mm -hmm. there was some – for some reason, this became personal to him. Like, I think Ellie conducted this was malicious. And that's in the eye of the beholder. I, I think what I would just ask him is, you know – you knew the reaction would be good. You know, like you knew that, like you knew what was going to happen in Lubbock after you did this. So why did you do it to people who 
who fully supported the program. You know, like their tax average attendance went from like, you know, 6,000 to 1350, you know, like, or 13,500. Like, the, why would you do that to people who didn't, who gave you everything? Tech, he asked for new facilities, tech dumped the money into it. He asked for money for himself, tech paid him. You know, I, I've heard he took a pay cut to go to Texas. He took less money to go to Austin because Texas didn't want to pay a basketball coach more than a, a, a football coach because Sarkeesian only makes like five, five. So he took less money to go. Uh, so I, I, I think just like why, why of all the ways you could handle it, if you just wanted to go to Texas, you know, great. Of all the ways you could have handled it, why did you do it in the way that caused the most harm to, to Texas Tech? Like, I, I just don't, it's not like anybody did anything to the guy. You know, he wanted this palace of an office. So they built him one. He wanted, uh, um, you know, I think his original extension was like 10 years with 5 million with massive bonuses for, for performance. You know, he wanted escalation clauses to, to add more money to his contract. He kept winning. I, I, I just don't understand, like, why why he had to do it that way. I think that's what gets lost in all this. I understand an alumnus wanting to go back. I don't understand a guy who Tech treated as well as they could treat any coach doing that that way. You know, it, it'd be like, it, it's this it's similar to what Texas did to Mac Brown, right? Like, why did you treat Mac Brown so shitty when he gave the university its best years? Like, why why did you why did it have to end like that? Where like you, you basically try to push him out for only winning eight games. Like, why did it have to go that way? It just I I I I truly hope he gets fired. And the best part about coaches and why I never feel bad saying that is when he gets fired, he's still gonna make ten million dollars. So you yep. know right. <laughs> some some people can get fired mm -hmm. still at the charm life. If this is the end of his career, his failure in Austin, he can go retire to Tahiti or something. I, I don't know what he wants to do that, but um <laughs> I mean, put it this way, I'm not going to be the tech fan who tries to pretend he's a bad coach. I hate people that do that, but I hope he fails. I, I, I hope he fails. And so far, results are pretty good in my favor. They're pretty bad. <laughs> They're not right. a good basketball team. So... There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Is it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. my bracket that, that that year actually did really really well because i i never pick against my self-interest so yeah. i always mm -hmm. in a bracket with tech winning the national title and like yeah. i remember i was in a group of friends and that like my bracket crushed everybody else's specifically because i kept alive my final four national title pick till the end which was great <laughs> it was the only year i ever won that that little bracket pool we did normally right. my brackets are such dog shit terrible they're done like the second weekend yeah <laughs>